Hello and good morning and welcome to week seven of Star Trek Sundays, now in the Star Trek Sundays Club. Today we're going to be discussing the right to life and death. This is a pretty heavy topic, I know, and we plan to discuss it with the same respect and consideration as the writers of Star Trek have done over the decades. I'm Victoria, and with me is my co-host, T. At the top of the room, we've pinned the Star Trek Sundays website, StarTrekSundays.com. There you'll find my captain's log, which is a brief summary of the topics discussed uh, by the group each week, as well as our upcoming missions, which include future topics and the episodes covering the specific themes, including today's, if you want to follow along. Thank you, T, for curating a collection of episodes for us all to revisit. Uh, we do have these episodes scheduled all the way till December 11th, which will be the end of our first season. I did really enjoy this week's homework, although it was really heavy, and uh, we've got a variety of questions for T and everyone. Uh, so for now, I'll turn the mic over to T. Thank you so much, Victoria. Um, the topic of the right to life and death, this is not a comfortable topic for me but one I've learned to face head on with bravery. Death is obviously inevitable and it hurts like hell and it sucks. It's just one of those things that we always seem to have too much of in our lives. And the more we go on, the more we, seek, we seem to accumulate it, which is why I'm happy to celebrate life. And I see this as the closest I get to having sort of my atheist church. So I think it's appropriate to talk earnestly about the right to life and death and the choices that get made along the way. Star Trek was, as always the case, well ahead of the discussion on this topic, and I've hoped that I've curated some good episodes to highlight their genius regarding the matter. Absolutely, yeah, these, these were just, um, these are really great episodes, thank you. Um, this is Star Trek Sunday's Club on Clubhouse, and we're discussing the right to life and death, and I'll be bringing people up to the stage to share your thoughts in a few minutes. T, let's start with uh, Etan Arcadia Ego, part two. Can you provide a summary of the episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it what it was about? And then I'll, um, I'll ask some questions for you. Definitely. <clears throat> Etan Arcadia Ego, part two, was from Picard, season one, episode 10, first aired on the 26th of March in 2020, so not that long ago, at an Ar Arcadia Ego, um, for those who don't speak Latin, refers to, uh, means literally, when in Arcadia, there I am. So literally, uh, when, uh, there in Arcadia, in, in our Arcadia Ego, uh, there in Arcadia, I. Now, the I is generally referred to uh, to mean death, and so the literal translation might be something like, even in idyllic Arcadia, there you will find death. So in this episode, Picard and his team are pitted against the Romulans and the, synth and the synthetics of the, of the Copleus in the final, of, of uh, excuse me, of Copleus in the final confrontation. Now I chose this episode because at the end, Data asks his captain, captain, to gift him death in a scene which absolutely had me busted up good. Picard dies because of a brain anomaly and his consciousness is downloaded into a quantum simulation where Commander Data has been reconstructed from a single surviving uh, neuron. Data asks Picard to kill him when he leaves because his, he recognizes that his life has already ended well and Picard obliges. 
Thank you for that. Yeah, this was um, deep. I mean, I have, I have some nostalgia for these characters, of course. And, um, you know, they really, there was a lot of love and respect shown in this episode as well as the others. Uh, and I find it quite touching. I, I find that the more we dig into these things, the more touching um, these shows are and the more I seem to get from them. It, it's bringing out something in me. Um, now, Data says he wished not to die, but to live knowing that his life was finite. It was sort of a, a little bit of a, a mind fuck there, but I get what he was saying. Um, would you choose your own death date if given the chance, or would you rather it be a surprise? I know a heavy question, but. It is a heavy question. And, you know, I definitely was a little bit confused when I first, I think the first time I, I heard him say that, um, you know, life, life, knowing that life is finite. Well, he always, he always knew that, but I later un came to understand that he was referring to uh, the fact that his own life had been finite, that it had already ended and it had ended well in sacrificing himself to Captain Picard. Yeah, I would definitely um, choose to end my life uh, with dignity and respect and at a time when I choose as opposed to you know, being trapped in endless suffering or in a situation where I'm no longer capable of enjoying life or, um, you know, at a point where, you know, I've simply lived enough. I'm definitely not at that point yet. And, you know, I, I, am, I am keenly aware of the need to think about such things and plan such things. And it is something that uh, I hope to, I hope to do, I hope to plan to die in exactly the way that I plan to live because I choose to live as opposed to um, dying. And when I die, I hope I choose to die as opposed to having it forced upon me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, for me, I, I think so, too. Um, I think having that right, um, you know, as as we've talked about and when I've talked about this with other people, um, it's been commented that we don't really live freely if, if we don't have the choice to end that living. Um, I think that's an interesting perspective. And, and speaking of living, we, we did say the right to life and death. And and I did wonder what was the right to life? Like, is there a right? Like in this episode, there were, and I think we've discussed that we might have to look at this a bit deeper in another episode um, of Star Trek Sundays, um, the, the right to live or the right to life, because nobody chooses to have life, but we do choose to live. And and so how does that present itself in our society? And, um, you know, I'm, my first thought was the right to food and shelter. Um, and then that just gets into a whole bunch of society, <laughs> society's issues. Um, did you want to comment on that uh, briefly now? And, and then we'll, I'll start inviting people up. Yeah. Sort of the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So where do we draw the line about what is necessary and, and what is, uh, you know, what, what is gratuitous or, or um, unnecessary, right? 
um, I think that it is important that we that we talk about those types of things as part of this because those those rights that that we are being afforded are the same rights that um, that you know they're, they're they're one in the same. Either we are afforded a right or we are not, right? So, for example, some people aren't afforded the right to live. Um, we call this capital punishment. Uh, and then there's other situations in which, you know, other people are, are not necessarily afforded the right to die because they're in a coma and on life support. And it's not a choice that they can actually make. And so these are these are important things that we we sort of talk about, like where those where those rights actually come in. Um, and I think it's important that ultimately, as a society, we, we establish as many uh, rights to live and as and try and traverse as far down that Maslow's hierarchy of needs as we possibly can with ensuring that people have access to food and water, have access to shelter, have access to, you know, uh, education and other things like that, healthcare, and keep on moving on down that hierarchy and keep on going. Okay, now they have, you know, access to, uh, you know, happiness, right? If we move all the way down to that, to that lowest level, right, the better that we could, right? I don't know what that would look like. But I think as a society, if we don't, you know, sort of shoot for the stars, we'll never end up on the moon. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I do. I do think that that there are certain um, things that need to be rights. Um, that that living isn't these things if it's always a struggle. Um, but but thank you, uh, Steve, for coming to the stage. And um, I'd like to put the questions to you. So perhaps we can start with the um, the choosing your own death date. If given the chance. Would you choose your own death date, or would you rather it be a surprise? If we're, I think it's more interesting to me if we incorporate like there are, there is this oh like this this likelihood ever moving forward into the future, even if just statistically by accident that um, I'm gonna die of some random silly meaningless uh, uh event in the future and that 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 i can say when given a circumstance where it's meaningful to me to put myself on the line at the very least at risk um at higher risk because of the outcome that i'm aiming for um for it then yeah that's that's much more meaningful to me and much more um, appreciated in in um, in how I would go about dying, right? That I actually die because I took a risk that was worth taking, or because I gave a sacrifice of myself that I thought was worth sacrificing. And I just wanted to uh, remind Steve really quick um, that we're not in the Kobayashi Maru episode, so no hacking the simulation to give yourself infinite time, please. Yes, exactly. <laughs> totally gonna hack that one. Um, uh, well, it, it, I, 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 I do like what you've put out there, though, because it kind of, it will lead into the third episode that we, we covered, but I'm just gonna put it out now so that I don't forget it. I don't want to go into it yet. But if we knew that we only had so long, would that increase our 
willingness to then sacrifice closer to that date. You know, I think for me it would, but we can maybe go go into that a little bit when we get into uh, half a life. Um, so thank you for that, uh, Steve. Christy, welcome to the stage. Um, thank you for coming again. And um, I put it to you. Would you rather it be a surprise or would you rather be able to pick the the date of your own death? Well, yeah, I think that I, I don't like the fact that it's like those just those two choices like I agree with Steve like sort of hacking the system so to speak because it seems like I mean I would want to as everybody has said I would want to choose the manner of my death or like I would like it to have meaning or something like that like I would want that choice um I don't know I mean obviously sort of in our world now we we often don't get to choose at some to some extent but sometimes we do we are able to choose more than other times i don't know it's it's an interesting thought um and i'm as you know i i've told you before i'm adhd so like answering that second question was a lot easier <laughs> because it was the thing you just asked <laughs> And, and I agreed with, with you, Victoria. <laughs> um, but I guess if I had to pick, like, if I had to pick one, I would probably say that I would like to know the time of my death. So that would be like, if I absolutely had to pick something, um, I would like to know when it was going to be. And then I could make plans and make things work the way that I want them to. Um, before I die. So that would be that particular choice. Um, I'm going to yield the mic. Thanks. Sure. And, and I, I get the, the difficulty with the question. Certainly, um, when I put out these questions, it's just to prompt conversation. And um, they're not completely rigid questions at all. Um, and and certainly when we say it's it's either a surprise or a date, but there's no other choices, it's clear that those who feel that we have the right to choose the timing of it would also feel like we had the right to choose how this happened. And wanting to have meaning is is great too. And I think as we get further along uh, in the show today, other things will will come to the surface and um, and as always, we'll we'll end the show at uh, you know eleven thirty, uh, but we'll continue to have conversation after that if there's a want for that. Um, so maybe um, T, uh, unless there's something more you want to say about this episode, maybe we can move along to Death Wish. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I good. I just wanted I just wanted to point out that. Um with with regards to you know some of these characters um there there was a lot of emotional attachment that went into this episode and i came out of this episode you know feeling emotionally drained because it was uh, it, it was this big big you know just blow up for me um and i you know just 10 minutes of just you know tears streaming down my eyes down my cheeks about the card dying and and then data dying and the way that they the way that they interacted i did just want to give reverence to um the way data 
addressed him as captain. He wasn't a captain. Yes. He was, you know, an admiral or whatever it was, but that didn't matter. He was captain to Data. He was Data's captain. And um, the way that, you know, Picard called him Commander Peck, that, that, um, that really felt like the characters were were real for me because these were characters who I had seen go through so much in the next generation and to see them end in this way was hard. It was, it was challenging. And so I, I hope that we can have like, you know, just, just an appreciation for how much thinking went into, um, these characters and then the sacrifice that the actor of uh, Brent Spiner actually made to bring us that brilliant character only to have him want to kill it off and never have it come back again because it was so physically challenging for him to wear that makeup um, that he never wanted to do it again and they found new uh, roles for him in, in future episodes and made it great continue to bring back Brent Spiner in his role as a soon but you know that that was the moment where where Data died and so uh, a moment of silence for that character thank you absolutely Ab absolutely um yeah, I, I was really, really moved by uh, that scene and how it was handled. I did wonder, suspect that the actors playing it also felt it because these characters are so real for them. And um, certainly, I, I, as I said earlier, I think that these issues, but also um, the the storylines that they have are are handled with a lot of respect and uh and i did appreciate that so um so thank you for giving space for that um i we let's move on we can we can move um move back to that and and talk about um some of those other topics in that episode a little later when we talk about the the bigger umbrella uh topic but if you could, uh, I'll just reset. This is Star Trek Sundays uh, on Clubhouse. And uh, we're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. PST. And today we're talking about the right to life and death. And T, if you could give us a, a summary of Death Wish, that would be great. Definitely. Death Wish was from Voyager Season 2, Episode 18, First ironed on the 19th of February on 1996. So in this episode, Captain Janeway puts Q on trial for Q's right to commit suicide. Of course, you know, when when Q first encounter encounters Picard, uh, Q puts Picard on trial. When Janeway first encounters Q, Janeway puts Q on trial. Uh, I chose this episode because Q has to petition Janeway, a lower form of uh, a lower form of life by all available measurements, to arbitrate the dispute and final decision of whether or not uh, the Q will be able to commit suicide. He eventually does get his wish, 
uh, consuming a rare form of hemlock, which is the same way Socrates died when for corrupting youthful minds and not believing in the gods of the state when he was sentenced to be murdered by consuming hemlock. Yeah, that was a fantastic connection, right? I, I love it when you can see that the writers of these shows uh, know their history as well. Um, I didn't, I didn't catch that the first time. I, I recognized it as a poison, but putting the the links together of the of the philosopher uh, wasn't immediate for me. Um, so Q at one point says. Um, you cannot imagine the chaos that would be created if individuals like Q here could choose between life and death. This is a matter of social order versus anarchy. Was he right, or is the right to death as important as the right to life? He's partially correct. I mean, there's 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 some aspect to this. Um, mental health is a important topic. People who do have uh, mental health issues do need help. People who are, you know, troubled, who uh, need, uh, need, you know, are, are challenged and, and thinking about suicide because they think it's their only way out. They really do need uh, genuine care by professionals, care that I'm certainly not, you know, uh, capable of offering. This is where you need a professional. Um, and so there is an aspect to this of social order where if we don't have that, then these people who genuinely are mentally troubled in one way or another, whatever that way is, uh, don't have the help that they need and, and are in our society without that help. So that is a problem. But when it comes to the right for somebody who, who's not in that mentally troubled situation to, you know, commit the commit suicide if they choose to for the reason that they choose to, whatever that may be, that's a different issue. That's not necessarily a, a a social justice issue. And that was what I think Tuvok was trying to argue for, was that he was of sound mind, that he was making an informed decision for himself. And so you, it's, it's not okay to just blanket paint that issue that way. Not all people who are troubled want to commit suicide. Not all people who want to commit suicide are mentally troubled in, in, a, in a way that requires intervention. Sometimes we do have to protect the rights of the individual, and sometimes we do have to protect the individual over their rights. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I just, I want to make a comment, but I want to uh, welcome Jamesy and Ruba to the stage. Um, and I'll, I'll ask you guys to comment in a second. Um, the, you know, in these episodes, I was reminded of my grandmother who I lived with. I moved in with her when she was 78 and uh, she lived to be 89, but I lived with her for eight years before she went into a hospital after she had a stroke and, and couldn't walk. And I, I remember when she was in her 80s, she said she was tired. And I had asked her, like, isn't it great to live so long? And she basically said no. She was tired. And it wasn't so much that she was physically tired, this was before her stroke, but that all her friends had died. Well, um, and while she loved 
her family. It wasn't the same as friends. And I kind of understood that because I would be in our living room. We had a very tiny house and she'd be in the kitchen with some friends and they would be talking back about like the thirties and forties and streetcars and stuff. And um, she couldn't really talk to anybody who was a peer at this point. And so I, I felt a sadness for her. Um, I don't know whether she would have chosen to d- die by suicide at that time. I feel, feel that she she felt like she had to live for me and take care of me a little bit, which she did. And, and lots of my family, um, you know, were grateful that I moved in and was needy <laughs> because they got her a bit longer. But she lived a few more years after that. But at times it seemed like she endured the, those years rather than lived them. And uh, so I was, I was reminded about that. And it made me just think about what you just said. You know, some people would say that if somebody wanted to die, they would have to be depressed or they would have to have something. But, but I just wonder if somebody is just satisfied. And, and when I brought this up um, with my husband yesterday, he said that perhaps being satisfied is a, a form of being mentally unstable. <laughs> so um, it, there's lots to consider here. Um so uh, I'll just uh, put these questions. They're they're all relatively similar, um, but I, I'll put the questions to um, to Jamesy first. Welcome to the stage, Jay Ra. I'm just going to um, mute you, uh, and then we'll we'll let Jamesy answer the questions that have already been put to the stage. If given a chance, would you rather choose your death date, or would you rather it be a surprise? And is the right to death as important as the right to life? Uh, Jamesy, what are your thoughts on this? I can't hear Jamesy. T, can you hear Jamesy? I cannot hear Jamesy. Okay. Uh, oh, Jamesy left. Hopefully, okay. hope you're right back. Uh, J- yeah, hopefully. Uh, oh, there he is. Jamesy, are you? Is it working now? Now you're muted. Good morning. Oh, good morning. There you are. Okay. <laughs> so um, I feel like I would really want to flush out that first question, but uh, like giving in to myself, I, I'm kind of an, an addict when it comes to knowing things. I, uh, I'm a perpetual learner. So the idea of being offered knowledge and not taking it, it seems like pretty unassailable to me. But uh, to the second question, I, I think the right to die should be like a like a fundamental human right um does that mean that you should also like sit down with a counselor before committing to that decision like yeah that seems like really solid advice but you know we we gave pilots and astronauts cyanide tablets and pistols like for, for a reason like sometimes we just don't want people to have to hold on to their suffering longer than they need to well hmm that's interesting so that, that's a really good point. So we give these professionals these tablets, trusting that they will know when to take it, that that they get to choose without having to consult with anybody. Um, so that's that that's an interesting um, development in this because you know, as you just said, you don't you hope that somebody would talk to somebody and that um, perhaps everything that could be done could be done for somebody but if there, if there, i guess maybe there isn't anybody to talk to if you're on a 
if you if you're an astronaut um what do you think about that is that is that directed back at me yeah yeah i'm just because you yeah you brought up the the pilot sorry for being but it, it just so so you had said just a minute ago that um that the people should have the right uh to die uh to choose their own death um and that they're they could receive some counseling and yet we we give some of these professionals these cyanide tablets and they can make a decision at whatever time they want um so i'm i i suspect that's because they've had all the counseling that they could get before they're given the cyanide tablet or something um but i'm just wondering um if we if we think that that that's a smart thing to do um shouldn't we all have access to cyanide tablets i mean that's one of the the issues that came up for me is that right now it's a struggle for somebody, even when they're in hospital, um, to have the right to die the way they want to die. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit uh, later, some of my own experience. But um, but it's like I, to, to me, I, I thought, well, it, it, it would be impossible for me to sort of cleanly or tidily um, kill myself. I don't have access to cyanide tablets. I don't have access to anything. I'd have to be creative and that can cause trauma for other people if I wanted to do that um, rather than going to my doctor and saying, hey, can I have a cyanide tablet? So I know that you work in mental health. So I, I, I figured I was really happy when I saw you come up to the stage. I figured you might have a bit more insight on this. Right. So like the, the tangent that I can apply to this is with my background working in addiction, to me, this kind of comes down to autonomy. Does the person possess autonomy? And an addict, somebody who's actively engaged in addiction, has essentially lost their autonomy. They're no longer capable of their own autonomous thought. It's been taken from them. Whether or not they want to achieve permanent sobriety is a separate issue. Like what we're trying to get them back to is a place where they get to actually make these decisions for themselves. So like the question of should we give everybody enough, uh, you know, <laughs> fentanyl to be able to commit suicide if they find themselves in a situation where they just can't go on living. I, I think you're making like a huge judgment. One would be making a huge judgment about the mental health of that society to impose that even as an option. Right. Yes. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, I wasn't proposing it necessarily, but I wanted to know what you thought about it. Um, and I guess maybe because I um, always want to have choices about my, my body, I think, well, this is unfair. I should be able to have this. T, what do you have to say? Well, I think in this, in this episode, you know, there, there's one of these, these really interesting philosophical discussions because Quinn, the, the, you know, we sort of colloquially know the Q continuum is Q, but we're referring to the, the Picard, you know, the TNG Q is Q and the new uh, Q is Quinn. Uh, Quinn was considered a, a philosopher, a, a great philosopher of the Q continuum. And what he was proposing in the, the scene where he brought Janeway and Tuvok and the rest of them into the continuum was that immortality is the disease it is the thing from which they cannot escape in it and i think that the point that he was trying to make was that you know in a situation where you no longer wish to to have life 
being trapped in it is a punishment. And that's why he was seeking asylum. He was seeking asylum not, you know, metaphorically from Q, but, you know, realistically for his, his own right to just go ahead and stop living because he no longer wished to live. And so I think that there was a, a real parallel being made there, right, of somebody who's who's trapped and, and unable to make that decision um, with with regards to their, their own life and ending it, with regards to, you know, Quinn, who was literally trapped in his. And the, the parallel that the writers, you know, wanted to call attention to that I spoke of earlier is that was the scene where he said, you know, this is why they threw, locked me away for, for spreading these dangerous ideas that maybe, you know, it's okay to, it's okay to challenge the status quo. It's okay to challenge this idea that living is, is what we must do. Right. Um, and the same, that's what, that's what Socrates was, was killed for was, was spreading dangerous ideas and, you know, with the hemlock and, and, in Socrates' case, it was a common hemlock. In uh, Quinn's case, it was a rare form of hemlock. But I, I think that the 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 parallel there is, you know, is undeniable and and should be called attention to. Is you know, is life a prison? Is that true? Is that something that we're trapped in? Is that you know, is that something that we should seek to seek to to uh, to escape from and i see steve on making so i'll hand it to steve yeah so i have um i've noticed that when it comes to this topic the reasoning that's given for why the individual wants to die um the the, the yeah the the argument um i tend to have like either a completely like benign like okay cool i get it go for it kind of uh, have a visceral response internally um, when I don't find it to be reasonable. So I'm, I'm just going to do my best to avoid any uh, any perception of arguing from emotion in this topic. But, um, so like I notice with – well, when, when it comes to like the, the reason that, um, that Data gave, right? Um, it reminded me, like his situation reminded me of Dixie Flatline, which uh, if any of you have read Neuromancer. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I love that you said Dixie Flatline right now. Exactly. Right. It made me think of Dixie Flatline and that Dixie Flatline situation, uh, just to clarify, um, he was a construct. So every time he was brought back online, he had no memory of the last time he was brought back online and he was just being used as a tool to um to help his um his former uh, uh student in hacking essentially hacking through security um get through more security and so but in the, at this point like he had re he was known as dixie flatline because he always had a way to back himself up if he died in the process of trying to break through some really tough uh cyber security um so he, he gets to a point where he goes, listen, um, <clears throat> the next time you, you turn me off, could you just keep me off and don't turn me back on again? And I, I found that profound, especially with the fact that, like, this is an individual who's not even gaining new memories every time they're turned back on. They just rationally reason that, like, 
this is the situation that they don't want to be living the rest of eternity in, even if they don't have to really remember every bit of it. Um, so I felt like that there had to be something very significant there. I'd parse out the argument further, you know, if there was a Dixie Flatline to have this conversation with, to, to really find out more about it. Um, but otherwise, I'm just like, I, I, have no, I have no visceral response. I have no, like, objection whatsoever. But with Data, he goes and says, um, I want to live knowing that it's, it's going to end, like, as if that helps him to live. And that I do have a very, like, object, uh, objectionable uh, reaction to. And I, I just, for me, it's, I think the best rational response I can give is, well, hey, look at me, right? Look at me. I I don't expect to die. I don't want to die. I could go on forever and I am excited about life. So you're, you're definitely not the only option of what could be um, to say that you're only excited by the fact that you're going to die. Um, and then I, sorry, one more interesting thought to put on the table is if we do this carte blanche, like anyone with the, the, the slightest whim who wants to die would just have the ability to die freely, have the cyanide capsule ready to go. Um, then over time that would create a naturally selective process in which we would be right back to the beginning where we have a lot, a lot of people who start objecting to the idea of suicide because they're the kind of people that stuck around because they don't choose to commit suicide. Anyway, go ahead T. So I, I would definitely push back against your interpretation of um, Data's reasoning there and, and what it is that Data actually said, because that was definitely my interpretation the first time I watched it. And upon rewatching it, I gained a, a better understanding of what he was actually saying. It wasn't that he was saying, you know, I, I want to live, I want, I want to live knowing that my life is infinite. He said, I want to die knowing that my life had been or not not sorry finite not infinite but finite he said i wanted to die knowing that my life had been finite had data wanted had had data been able to live data would have chosen to live data would have chosen to live in perpetuity he would have gone on forever if given the option and I think that he would argue strongly for that. He died sacrificing himself for Picard in order to give his life so that Picard might continue. And he did that. He, he did that knowingly, and he wanted to die knowing he had done that, that his life had been finite that it was over right he wanted to die knowing he had done the right thing so that knowing that it was a real sacrifice yeah, exactly. is yeah. that what you mean that his life had been finite not that it you know not that it would be finite you know what i'm saying right? i think so he, 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 i think so he wanted he wanted to die knowing how he died you, you know what i'm saying right that's what he was saying right yeah. Um, so I, I want to welcome the director to the stage. Always nice to have you, the director. Um, 
this is Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse, and our regular show is Sunday at 10 a.m. PST. To be notified of future shows, please join the club by clicking the little house at the top of the room. And today we're discussing the right to life and death. And we've discussed the first two episodes that we watched and um, have asked some questions about would you like to uh, choose the date of when you get to die or would you want it to be a surprise? And do we have as much a right to death as we do to life? I'd like to put those to the director and I want to add something to the stage for contemplation. If we have the right to, to die, as we've been talking, and if we feel like the, or we think that um, we're not free in our life, if we are forced to live it, then what of people in prison who are not on death row, uh, but are forced to live in prison, maybe the rest of their lives, but maybe 30 years. Um, I know this is a bit of a wrench. I hadn't thought about it when I was writing my show notes, but I wonder if anybody has any thoughts um, on whether those people who were put in prison should have the right uh, to die. Uh, so T, what do you think about the, the prison scenario I've just thrown at you? Well, I think the prison scenario is analogous to a, a, a lot of other scenarios, right? And, and I think when we're talking about, like, life in prison, for example, that might not be a life that I would choose for myself. And faced with the scenario of, you know, life in prison or death, I might choose death. Now, I, I know a lot of, you know, death row inmates don't make that choice. They make the choice the other way. They choose to endlessly appeal and keep their life. And that's, I think, an option that they should have to them, you know, personally. But that's this whole separate question, right? Um, I think that there should be, like, in those types of scenarios, I, I'm not sure that life imprisonment is is really a good scenario, right? But I'm also not sure that um, uh that, that, you know, corporal punishment is equally a good scenario. I think that the right thing to do is is, is prison reform in that situation. And um, rather than, like, you know, offering our prison inmates suicide pills as, like, some form of solution here, I think we should rethink why it is we're locking them up and, you know, and what it is we can do better about that. Uh, yeah, and I'll just toss it to you um, as another topic, maybe for season two of the podcast. I keep adding these topics, but um, but perhaps we can talk about prison and prison reform. I'm sure that uh, Star Trek uh, covered that at, at some point. Um, so getting back to the first two uh, questions, the director, um, what what are your thoughts on on the right to life and the right to death? Well, uh, I mean, two, uh, well, first, should always be guaranteed, uh, because to, to, to not try and offer that means that you have, uh, decided that hey, one life has no value, which, you know, in the case of, uh, corporal punishment, um, it, it, that's where that applies. Uh, 
the right to death is a stickier one. I mean, if I am suffering or if I am choosing to exit uh, my existence, um, I think that that is a, a valid uh, choice, you know, one that has to be heavily considered and, and only after the consequences of removing yourself from life have been fully considered. Um, you know, it is not my place to tell someone that they must live if they feel that are in hell, uh, in, in, alive and in hell. Um, but it is also would never be, that's the, the one sin as an atheist I could think of is choosing to end yourself or the journey is complete. But choosing how you die is a different question entirely. You know, uh, do you die in the service of something greater than, you know, it gives a death a meaning um, that a life um, might have been missing? Uh, I don't know. That's a, it's a difficult, it's always a difficult conundrum. But in your case of the prisoners, the reason why that they are sentenced to life in prison is we are intentionally demanding that they serve uh, a level of misery. Uh, and um, it's also preserving their life in case they're uh, in the case that their case has been found to be false. Um, so life in prison is both uh, more cruel and uh, more humane. Uh, because it allows for um, a reversal of something. Once you put someone on uh, resurrecting them, uh, you know, is is more difficult. Um, and that's basically where I come down on it from an internal perspective. Um, but I don't know. It's always a complicated thing to decide when do you end the story. Uh, and I personally would rather live uh, a thousand lifetimes uh, and and have memory of it all than to um, end myself. But if I was trapped and couldn't communicate and all I could do is live my own mind, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. And if, hopefully I never have to make that choice. Hopefully my my death is a surprise to me. Oh, okay. Yeah a surprise i mean in some way uh, you know i've often thought that maybe just living a grand old life and and feeling some form of satisfaction at a very old age and just dying in my sleep would be the best without having to make the choice although making the choice um increasingly seems uh to be uh more attractive but i think what you said almost makes the case for like what you said about the prison system, that we put people in prison and we, we make them live uh, as punishment. Um, living in that life is punishment. And yet there are many situations for people who are not in prison um, that might be worse than prison, that might feel worse than prison. Um, really, really very, very poor people people who are struggling or abused or whatever might might be worse than prison, although they might feel free at least. But I mean, as some of the philosophers said, you know, it doesn't matter where your body is, uh, as long as you're free in your mind, right? But I, I think the prisoner thing almost makes the case for 
for saying that a free person shouldn't be forced to live if we're forcing the people in prison to live. Does anybody else want to say anything about the um, about the prison situation that I just threw out to everybody um, before we move on to half a life? Okay. Well, moving on, uh, the third episode we watched was Half a Life. T, can you give us a summary of of this one? Because I think this one has a lot more uh, nuance to it, and I just really enjoyed this, and and um, I'm looking forward to talking to everybody about this. So, please. Definitely. Yeah. Half a Half a Life, The Next Generation, Season Four, Episode Twenty Two first aired on the 6th of May, 1991. So in this episode, Waxana Troy, excuse me, Waxana Troy causes trouble when she finds out that a scientist she has fallen in love with is due to commit ritual suicide. I chose this episode because Waxana Troy genuinely struggles with letting go of someone, but in the end learns to accept his decision and support the man she cares about. Yeah, it was a it was a a simple episode um, that had a lot of dialogue, a lot of um, feelings being shared in contemplation. So I, I really liked that. I mean, the reason he was on the Enterprise was to I think he was trying to revitalize his the his planet's sun, and uh, that was sort of secondary, just to get him on the ship. It would seem. Um, so she fought with him really uh, intensely, fought with him to try to convince him to uh, try to live and to be a rebel, fight back against his society, which it, it, he ended up doing at some point and then uh, changed his mind. Um, and then she comes to support his choice to go ahead with this uh, societal uh, ritual death at 60. This was the thing as he was turning 60 in a few days. Could you do the same for someone you cared about? It's a rough one. I'm, I want to believe I'm the bigger person. I want to believe that I could. I, I want to believe that I could be that strong. And I, I think that, you know, when it came down to it, after I had done a lot of crying and a lot of just, you know, beating myself up and, a lot of probably what ultimately amounted to selfish behaviors, you know, kind of got out of the way. I would like to think that I could be that selfless, but it, it would really require a lot of convincing. It would not be a decision that I entered into lightly or, you know, with, with any amount of, of humor or um, any, any lack of consideration. And it would be one of those really extreme situations. I would have to be aboard the Starship Enterprise and visiting an alien planet and encountering, you know, that type of, that type of, you know, really out there situation. And I'm sure that, you know, any, any anything's possible here on Earth, right? But uh, if I'm ever faced with that type of situation, then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to be able to face it bravely as with, with the brave face that I would like to, you know, like to project outward. And maybe, you know, maybe that's part of like having Star Trek Sundays as sort of that 
therapy session is you can recognize your own, you know, limitation in that regard and maybe I'll work on that aspect of myself. So thank you for that share. Um, yeah, I, I, I have been through this with, um, my father's death and, um, what was portrayed in this episode was quite real in this, um, you know, I, I think about my stepmother and how she basically begged and begged and begged for my dad to uh, not choose this, to wait to see if we could find out what was going on with him. He had a mystery disease that was never established. And, um, but like Waxana on the day, she was a total class, right? We were all very sad, but you don't want to make it any worse for the person. And, um, and so I, I will give her credit and I will say that, um, well, she was trying to get him to put off the date once it was established and it was decided she went into this really bravely. And, um, and I saw that in Waxana and felt that. So this was, um, quite touching. And what's more is I really thought that, um, you know, they, I think that they, they sort of go out of their way to paint what Loxana as being matronly. Troy is the, you know, the, the busty young one where, you know, Loxana is the, the, the mother who, you know, is elder in age and, you know, just, just not, and, and annoying and all of those things. And when I saw the way that Loxana was looking at you know, at, at the doctor, I recognized just how beautiful that actress was. And I think I really saw it for the first time because I always sort of saw her as being, you know, um, you know, not you know, the, the elder one to, to Diana's hotness or whatever. But in that moment, I thought that the actor really just, you know, the act, excuse me, the actress really just, um, really just shine through as, as a person and you know and I sort of look, had to look at her skin and she looked flawless she didn't look nearly as old as I think they were trying to make her look and I felt like you know she sort of got a, a bum rap in that regard as a role when really that actress was was quite stunning in every way imaginable. She was an amazing actress and, you know, had had looks and talent in the whole nine yards. And I just, I really felt like, you know, um, maybe that was, you know, an attempt at redemption for her uh, to, to really put her on that pedestal and give her her moment in the spotlight because she had it. She was amazing in that role. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree there. Um, I, I think they do make her out to be, she's written as a very irritating uh, character, right? So that we feel empathy for Picard and Deanna. And um, and certainly that hairdo didn't help her. It did make her look a bit matronly. But at the end, when they're in the transporter room and she shows up and, and the actor who played Timison, my goodness, he can speak with his eyes, man. Um, and he looks really touched and, um, and the says, 
it is the custom for your loved ones to join you at this resolution, is it not? And Dr. Timison says, you do not have to do this. And she says, yes, I do, meaning coming down to support him in his choice. That just, it was a punch in the gut, man. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's because these things touch us and in our real lives. Like we, we can imagine ourselves in situations like that. And I would hope that, um, that my wildness and irritation like Waxana in regular life would turn into to class and respect like that at a time when someone I loved and who loved me needed it. Uh, I just want to welcome uh, Shay and Jayra back to the stage. We're talking about a half-life and Waxana eventually comes to support the man she loves in his choice to die in a ritual suicide at 60 when his culture decides to do that. Could you do the same for someone you care about, Shay? Yeah, if the person was convinced 100%, I, I don't know the full background of what you're saying, but in as a general answer to the question, would I help someone who wanted to die to die? Yeah, I would. If I was like, if I felt like none of it was a burden on myself and it was 100% convincing from the person, you know, that wanted to die. That might sound like a really superficial, unthought answer, but off the top of my head, yes, I have thought about death a lot. I have an, an illness that makes me think about it almost every day. So um, I do think about that a lot. And my initial answer would be yes. I hope I answered the question. Well, absolutely, you did, and and welcome. I ha I have seen you before in a non clubhouse, and I really appreciate you coming to the stage, um, and answering so so honestly, um, and and I think that we can have those those decisions in our head because we think about them, and and then get into the nuance after. So I do appreciate um, that. Your, your honesty there and your vulnerability. Thank you very much. Um, J-Raw, I know you've been in and out of the, the room this morning. Um, did you want to answer this question or comment on some of the other things that we've talked about so far? Um, I think um, before, when I was on stage earlier, I think there was another question that was asked. It was, um, do you think people have the right to life and death? And... Um, I believe they do. If someone wants to go, if you keep him or keep them here, it would be like you're keeping them imprisoned. Basically, you're. That's what I believe. And in this question, um, would I would I help my um, someone that I love do a ritual that ends in their death? Um, I don't know. I what does help mean? I'm. I don't think I would be the one to take their life. I wouldn't do that. Um, I would be there for them, I guess, but I wouldn't try to stop them from it. I would ask some questions just to know that they're going in this, their decision, and it's not something that was. They feel like they have to do because of like a religion that they follow or stuff like that. Um, hmm. yeah, I guess that's my answer. Um, yep. 
No, I, I appreciate that. And certainly the, the topic isn't, a, I mean, that would be a deeper topic. Um, and, and certainly we saw that in the first episode where Picard had to be the one that unplugged data. And, and that's a deeper issue of do we, would we be able to do that for somebody else? Um, I don't, I don't know if I could, that's a, a deeper issue. Being there and supporting somebody in their choice is, um, uh, you know, as much as it's it's a hard thing to do, it's way easier than being the person who takes that life for sure. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, Sean, welcome to the stage. Nice to see you again. Um, so I don't know how long you've been here, Sean, but we've been talking about the three uh, different episodes that are listed in the, the link tree above uh, that we watched this week. Uh, and we're talking about the right to life and and the right to death. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you since you're new to the stage, um, if, if you have some thoughts and, and then we can go back to Steve, Christy, James, Ian, the director. Thank you, um, Victoria. <clears throat> My voice is a little messed up. I'm having an allergy attack here, but, um, I, <clears throat> I think that homo sapiens as the most evolved species on this planet, um, have built in desires that are just built into us you know we're not necessarily taught these things but you know sleeping eating sex but the 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 main thing is to continue life <clears throat> to stay alive at all costs you can um you know we have a, a dog obviously and we love him very much but his whole goal in life is to make sure that he does not starve to death he he you know if we if we leave the kitchen, he's on the floor looking for anything that may have fallen, and he's just really into eating and surviving. And I just it's it's pointed out to me, or it's made it made me aware of how much the, the goal is to stay alive. I was recently at um, our local airport and at the 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 fixed base operator there and. And there's cats that wander around sometimes at the airport, um, feral cats, I guess. And I was looking at this cat, um, which didn't look like it was starving to death or anything. But there, there, let me land my plane. I'm actually trying to make a point here. Um, but he was like eating an insect or something. And I'm thinking, how do these cats survive here? You know, and this one probably was fed by the, uh, you know, the, the business there that fuels the airplanes and everything because he did not look bad at all but still his native instinct is to eat whatever he has to do to survive so my whole point here is that the will to survive to to stick through treatments for illnesses to stick through pain to stick through failures in life and addictions whatever it may be is so strong that we must stay alive and i think that's just how you know, although there's been five cataclysms on Earth, according to scientists, and that 98.5% of all species that were ever on this planet are no longer here, not of their own choosing, but for whatever reasons, and we are the last one and a half percent, not humans, but all life that we have right now. But the goal is to survive no matter what. And I'm just saying that we should honor that goal and not take it for granted and not minimize it. Um, however, you know, 
Um, it depends on the situation. If I'm in extreme pain and, and someone says, there's no hope, you know, we'll just give you morphine or some other drug, then I very well, I may say, I think I, I can't take this. I just want to check out. But um, I think we should never minimize the idea that humans must stay alive. Animals must stay alive, not just humans, dogs, cats, whatever. We all want to stay alive, reproduce, and even after reproducing, we want to stay alive, you know. Um, and and so I'm just saying that we should we should be very careful before we consider the alternative, if that made any sense at all. Sorry for being so long. Uh, no, that it it makes a lot of uh, sense, um, and I know that that there are people who feel very differently about these um, these topics. I guess I, you know, what you said actually brought up a couple of other questions for me. Like, um, and and now I'll, I'll just I'll I'll put it to the room for a few minutes. Um, we will. We'll start wrapping up in in about ten or fifteen minutes, just for the the podcast, and then um, and then we can have sort of an open conversation after that. But um, how you were saying that we should respect that that we should live, it leads me to, and I know we've had other conversations about this, and we don't have to get into anything too uh, deep or personal if if that's too much. But it it then means that you or or people who think like you do um are then deciding that there is uh some level or some measure that can be made on if a person has the right they don't just have the right to die but that they have to meet a certain criteria before they're before you think it or you or people who think the same way uh think that it's acceptable and I guess that's where the the pushback comes in when when we have conversations like this, um, as to where does that end? That feeling of if if humans or animals are uh, have this need to live, then um, you know we're only in a, a a short period of human time where people are. Uh, allowed, and even now they're put down somewhat, to not have children, to not reproduce. And um, and so, and there's a lot of people who think that that's not right. Um, but of course, I think most of us here realize that uh, somebody can choose whether or not they're a parent or not. Um, and so should they be able to choose whether they live or not? Like, what's it to you, right? And it's in some way, if we're going to be sharp about it. And um and then I also wondered on a totally different uh, track um, whether there was any correlation between those who don't have children, who haven't reproduced by choice, and those who uh, agree fully that people have the right to die. Because I wondered whether there was this thing in people who have kids that want to reproduce and keep the world going that also made them want to live. <laughs> so a uh, few things there. Uh, I'll open it up to the stage. I'm just watching to see if anybody wants to mic up. We'll just sort of go a popcorn style. Does anybody have tea? Yeah, please go ahead. Let me know what you think on those. 
Well, I, I'd like to return to for just one second to what um, the example that Steve brought up with Neuromancer and Dixie Flatline, in which a construct, um, the example was was relevant because, you know, let's say we we have this long conversation with the construct, and the conversation concludes with you know the construct going, you know, hey Case, and Case goes yeah, and goes when you uh, when you when you unplug me this time, don't plug me back in, right? And Case goes, all right. And then Case unplugs him and then plugs him back in and he has no memory of it. It's interesting because I think that um, the, the, the right that we're speaking of here is informed by inaction a lot of times. Like those rights of somebody's life um, is informed by us not killing them. And that's what we actually mean, right? They have the right to live because we're not sitting here locking them up and, and putting them in jail or shooting them with a gun. They have the right to die because we're, we're not, you know, preventing them from jumping off a, a bridge or, or something like that. Um, but the, really the conversation gets more nuanced when we're talking about, like, access to pills, right? Do, do we give them, uh, do we afford them the right to go get, you know, cyanide pills and, and pop those, right? Um, and I think that the, the, the question about sort of like what forms those fundamental rights um, is, is important here too, because if, if rights are, are, are not like this, this, you know, they're not really what we think they are. They're not this like idea of, you know, some inalienable situation that can't be violated. It's really more of this idea that we have that holds us back from taking certain actions or, or pushes us towards other actions. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, what everybody thinks about sort of rights in that, in that scope. Well, there are rights that are given by the government, and then there are rights that we uh, take for ourselves. And we should not confuse the two things. You can always take your own life. Like, there's nothing to stop you except for if you're unsuccessful. Um, and now you're being forced with to live with the consequences of it. So just because the government doesn't grant you the right to end your own life does not mean that you can't choose to do it. Some people choose to end their lives because uh, through slow actions, and some people choose to end their life sooner by fast actions. So, you know, there is a difference between rights and existing uh we my my goal would be to live no matter what even if i was uh paraplegic if i could live a rich life then i would continue going if my mind is gone i hope you harvest my organs um and, and that's the standard that i live by but i cannot say that for everybody that's involved i once had someone threaten to commit suicide if i wasn't with them and I said, well, that would be a horrible shame and a silly reason to end it. But if you do, understand that I'll know that you've hated me and that I will never think of you for anything positive again. So that that way they understood that there was nothing to gain by threatening me with their own death, but that I didn't wish it. So uh, that's about the most personal experience I want to share uh, here. But um, yeah. We can, we can always opt out of life. Uh, 
but once we opt out, it's really hard to plug ourselves back in. I yeah. sorry, go ahead, Sean. You you haven't spoken out much, have you? I, I wanted to respond to Victoria. Um my ex wife and I were married for twenty years and we had four children. Um to be quite frank, the, the the first three were planned. The fourth was sort of an accident, but you know she was cute, so we kept her. Um, just kidding. Um, but um, my my desire to stay alive did not diminish after the first, second, third, or fourth child. I I think it. Um, people I know that have not had children, or choose to not have children, or cannot have children, or would like to have children, they seem to all want to live, you know, the same amount. So I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, now, as far as <clears throat> someone, that, a friend that wants to commit suicide for whatever reason, of course, I would talk to this person and, and try to find out whether they're making a decision that's not based on a drug induced, um, you know, cloud where they're, they're not totally aware of what they're doing and why they want to do it and what the possibilities are and whether or not whatever is conf uh, afflicting them cannot be eliminate it like an illness or something. So of course I wouldn't want to talk to them about that. And I would expect everyone around them would too. But if, if, if the result was gloomy and there was no hope and they wanted to do this, um, would I, would I pull the unplug or do the injection? No, I could not do that myself. Um, would I be there to support them? Like in the Star Trek episode, I'd, I'd want to see them one last time. Um, so I, I have not actually, I've been to, with people that were close to death and I have not actually been there when they died. Um, but I, I don't, I, I think I would be there for that event to support them in their decision and to see them one last time, but I could definitely not be involved, um, at all with it. As far as we all have the ability to commit suicide, of course, um, regardless of whatever government that we decide to live under, or nation we decide to live under, um, yes. And yeah, and, and if there is a problem with the suicide, we have to live with the results. I agree um, with, um, I think it was Steve that said that. Um, on, on the other hand, I know uh, my, my wife knew someone who was, um, had a problem with alcohol and basically drank themselves to death. And many people uh, tried to intervene and stop the course that they saw was going to happen. And it did happen. The person did die. And it was very sad, especially for their mother, who, um, you know, took it very hard because everyone could see what was going to happen. And I think in a situation like that, we should definitely try to support the person by doing whatever we can to intervene, because that's a completely different situation than uh, some of the other situations that we've discussed today. So again, we not only do we want to survive, but we also want to help our fellow people, uh, humans survive too. Absolutely, Ab absolutely. Uh, today we've been discussing the right to life and death, which is uh, really interesting and i'm sure that this topic will come up in future episodes and t i would just invite you now to uh tell us what's coming up in the next couple of weeks yeah definitely um first of all great great discussion so far really excited for it thank you so much um 
coming up, if I could just pull up the website, I've got actually a, a LinkedIn uh, Linktree app for this. Um, the next time we are meeting is on the 25th of this month, September. Uh, we are doing the Calculus of War, starting with A Taste of Armageddon. And this is actually one of my favorite uh, episodes from the original series in which the Enterprise beams down and faces a simulation of war. Uh, uh, sorry, a, um, uh, a, a, um, a society that's doing simulations of war as a solution to actually doing war. And then they get caught up in the, um, the, the simulation and, and are sort of terminated for, for death, as it were. Followed by yesterday's Enterprise, uh, which is uh, the next generation, um, in which the Enterprise travels 22 years into the future, and history is inevitably changed, and Tasha Yar is still alive. So definitely a good one there. Finally, Statistical Probabilities. That's a Deep Space Nine episode where Bashir helps a group of eccentric fellows, uh, uh, eccentric, uh, eccentric, uh, genetically modified humans, try and make a useful contribution to the Federation. Really, a fun episode. Um, after that, we're doing the second of October. The Resistance is futile. An introduction to the um, introduction to the Borg, starting with Q. Who the Next Generation, in which Q. Uh, flings the Enterprise out into the Delta Quadrant, and they encounter the Borg for the first time. Followed by Star Trek, uh, First Contact, the movie, in which um, the I, uh, they go back and, uh, or, sorry, in which the uh, data is the, um, uh, sorry, I'll get it straight here. Jean-Luc Picard was captured and assimilated by the Borg, and now he makes a second attempt at actually uh, killing the Borg. Finally, after that, we have Assimilation, in which it was just the one in Picard, in um, which the uh, the Borg Queen is uh, assimilates. Um, I forget Agnes, that's her name, uh, and uh, inevitably changes the the nature of the Borg. Really, a cool episode. Uh, after that, on the ninth, we've got Who Are Q, which is our part one of our series in our introdu introduction to Q, starting with Encounter at Fort Farpoint, the first introduction to Q, um, and from Star Trek The Next Generation, followed by Hayden Q, in which Riker gets Q powers, and True Q, in which uh, we've got um, a Q, who a human who realizes that they are actually Q. Uh, we've got episodes planned all the way out to December. That's our first season, and I'm super excited about it. And then we do have a second season set, uh, getting lined up for the first week, uh, second week of January. Super excited about that. So I do hope you will uh, join us again next week, and I'll hand it back to Victoria. Thank you, T. I, I just want to let everybody know, uh, you know, as you've seen and heard in this uh, episode, uh, when when uh, a, an idea comes into my head, I just throw it at T and say, okay, T, this is what I want to discuss. This is the, the topic and please find some episodes. And he's just brilliant at finding these episodes that bring out a, a, a lot of feeling and thought and contemplation, which is exactly um, what we want to do here. So again, this was Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse. And 
this is wrapping up uh, the show on the right to life and death. And if you're listening to this on any of the podcast platforms and you want to hear some of the after discussion, then join us every week on Clubhouse. We'll be here. Hopefully you will be too. And if you have any thoughts uh, on our website or the rooms that we're holding, please message me or T. Uh, and you can also get a hold of us through the website as well. So thank you again. And I hope you guys have a great afternoon.